welcome to The Swiss Connection. I'm Susan Masika. If you've been to Switzerland, you may have admired or even swum in beautiful Lake Geneva, flanked on one side by the mountains of France and on the other by the UNESCO Heritage Lavo Vineyards of Switzerland. But what lies beneath the lake? And is it warming up? Swissinfo's Julia Crawford has been talking to an Australian scientist who has been studying the lake for the past decade. Professor Andrew Barry heads the Environmental Engineering Institute at EPFL, the Swiss Federal Technology Institute in Lausanne, which lies on the shores of Lake Geneva. He's an expert on hydrodynamics, all the movements in the lake which can affect everything from temperature to water quality and the ecosystems within it. He says Lake Geneva is a fascinating open-air laboratory. It's a very deep lake and it gives rise to a very rich hydrodynamic system. And that's why this, as an outdoor laboratory, it has the intricate motions uh, and complexity which make it a very uh, interesting and challenging scientific uh, uh, body of water to study. And because of this, this uh, size, a lot of what we find here in terms of understanding of the lake can apply to other other lake systems. And how can your research help the water situation in Lake Geneva in Switzerland, if you could explain simply? But no, what we can do is we can uh, understand how the lake is changing uh, and therefore we can uh, contribute to the um, ecological system which is uh, part of the lake. So I'll just give one example. If the, if the lake is warming up, Obviously, that has an effect on, um, and it is slowly warming up. The evidence seems uh, fairly clear. It's not so you notice it over time, but with long-term measurements, uh, we know that the uh, lake is um, uh, slowly warming up. But it's not a linear trend. It Sometimes it cools down for several years, and then other times it's been warming up. So the whole ecological functioning of the lake depends on the uh, temperature. Um, if something gets discharged into the lake... So any river that may or may not contain, let's say, unpleasant uh, dissolved constituents, uh, then you want to know where it goes to and uh, within the lake, how it mixes, how it dilutes and how it transforms. So our work is uh, addressed, uh, addresses this kind of uh, question. The size of the lake allows good observation of the so-called Coriolis effect, which causes water to tend to move in a circular motion if disturbed, for example by the wind. This is caused by the rotation of the planet. The depth of the lake allows observation of vertical mixing between surface waters and the deep, cold water. This helps to bring oxygen from the surface to deeper waters, which is important for water quality and fish. Professor Barry explains. Now, in lakes, to get oxygen or oxygenated water to deep water, there's, uh, the main process is uh, vertical exchange. And the vertical exchange is uh, during the day when the water is warm, as I said, it warms up and the, you get this layer of warm water on the surface. But then at night, of course, it cools down. So when the water cools down, the water on the surface gets cooler and then it starts to sink. Uh, 
So water on the surface is oxygenated and it goes down to a certain depth. In the summer, that depth is about 15 metres, typically. Uh, but in winter, it goes down to um, you know, more than 100 metres or even down to the entire depth of the lake. So in a particularly cold winter, it's called overturn of the lake. So the whole lake will overturn. And that in this lake here happens maybe once uh, every 8 to 10 years. That it gets cold enough winter so you mix the whole lake this is really the major, uh, yeah, one of the major, if not the major way water is oxygenated in the lake. Lake Geneva is part of the Rhone River, which feeds it from the glacier of the same name, flowing in from the east and out at the western side in Geneva, where it then flows through France down to the Mediterranean Sea. Professor Barry says the Rhone River is responsible for one of the most surprising movements in the lake. So when the Rhone comes into the lake, it brings sediment and uh, also normally a cooler temperature, so it's more dense water. And so it, it, the water can plunge, it can dive. So the Rhone comes in and it tends to dive down. If, it's, if the water is dense enough, it'll go down to the bottom. And there's a steep fairly steep slope at that end of the lake. This water uh, can travel, you know, almost uh, to the middle of the... To, it can travel underwater. It's called a turbidity current, and it can travel very, very long distances on the bottom of the lake. It's a phenomenon which is very unusual that you don't know would occur, but, um, yeah, at least on, a, on, on occasion, they get these... Uh, the rain is diving and the water... Uh, this turbidity current goes many, many kilometres into the lake. I, I think when you hear about this thing, but how could it go so far? Because you know, it's got to push water out of the way, etc., etc. Uh, but no, it does. And it, um, on the on the bottom morphology of the lake, you can see uh, the tracks uh, this, uh, that these turbidity currents take because it gouges out uh, part of the bottom, and you can see the you can see the marks in the bottom of the lake where this happens. Professor Barry's team measures and records currents and water properties around the lake using a mobile catamaran and measuring instruments at various depths. It also has a thermal imaging system mounted on a balloon high above the lake from which they can measure the temperature of the lake water. So if the lake is warming up, what will happen? These effects will take a very long time. But if you increase the temperatures, more likely you get algal blooms if there's food for the algae to grow. But it, it could also be things which are more subtle than this. That um, you know, it's because it's water. There's a lot of uh, microbial uh, life in the lake. Uh, there certainly could be adjustments to how these uh, the microbial activity and therefore ecological responses change uh, due to uh, lake warming. It's not sure, in fact, uh, whether it's only temperature that changes because of the climate change. We also expect, uh, for example, we know in Switzerland that the overall rainfall, we don't know, it's expected that the overall annual precipitation won't change in Switzerland, but the intensity of the precipitation events may change. And Presumably also, the glaciers will melt and the snow will melt and a lot of that will end up in the lake, right? So this is it's, it's what will, is is and we have a lot of recession and uh, 
Yeah, so this is a very important thing because um, the uh, we have like a an excess of water, additional water at the moment coming into the lake because of the glacier melting, but eventually, probably by the end of this century, it's hard, uh, this is some predictions, it may uh, somehow stabilize or the glaciers will disappear. And then this extra water will disappear. Um, so it has effects on water quality, but more importantly on water availability. So how do you feel about Lake Geneva? Are you fond of it? There's uh, a cultural, let's say, um, esteem for this lake in, the, in, the, in, in this area. And certainly, like everybody else, I'm, uh, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm very fascinated by the lake. Uh, because I live down near Montreux, I, t- I, take the, I, I take the train every day, so I get the chance to observe the lake every day, which I do. It's like uh, I can see the state of the lake. And, um, and as I spent time here, I became more and more interested in, in, in the lake and the science of the processes within the lake. was my colleague Julia Crawford interviewing Australian environmental engineer Andrew Barry. The music you hear was by Swiss pianist and composer Olivier Rittner. Visit us at swissinfo.ch for more stories on Swiss newsmakers and projects. The story in this edition comes from our series called Studying Switzerland, which is about researchers from around the world who study things that are unique to Switzerland. We produce this podcast about once a month, so check back in a few weeks for the next one. Or better yet, subscribe to the Swiss Connection to be sure you don't miss it. Thanks for listening, and thank you to studio technician Donnie Wheeler. Signing off for all of us here, I'm Susan Masika. Hello, I'm Imogen Folks from Swiss Info's Inside Geneva podcast. On February 24th, 2022, Russia attacked Ukraine. The invasion caused Europe's largest refugee crisis since World War II. And during the year-long conflict, tens of thousands, possibly hundreds of thousands of people, soldiers and civilians, have been killed. Over the past year, a number of episodes of Inside Geneva have looked at the heavy humanitarian toll of the war and its wider implications for the world. We've been joined by historians and international human rights experts to ask about the background to the invasion. We've talked to major UN aid agencies about how the war in Ukraine is impacting other humanitarian crises – And we've asked if sanctions or war crimes investigations can stop or at least limit this conflict. If you're particularly concerned by the war in Ukraine, do listen to these episodes. You can find Inside Geneva, free to listen, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google and all your usual podcast apps.